0: Let's get into the word. Before I get in, let's pray. Jesus, God, we honor you this morning. God, I thank you for your presence that's in this house, Lord. God, I thank you that you have prepared for us a word today, Jesus. God, I just pray, as, as the scripture says, that my speech, my preaching would not be with persuasive words of human wisdom, but would be in demonstration and power, that our, our faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Holy Spirit, we pray you would come and just take over this entire message this morning. God, that you would penetrate our hearts, Lord, that the, the word would be as a double-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, Jesus, and that you would penetrate our hearts this morning. God, that we would leave this building uh, never the same, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week, how many of you were here last week? I believe that the Lord began something in us last week. Um, we, for those of you who weren't here, we, we talked about healing unbelief. And I, and I believe that's a significant word for harmony because we've been through some stuff when it comes to disappointment, when it comes to um, praying for things um, and believing God for things and then not seeing them happen. Um, we, we've just experienced a lot of disappointment in that area, especially when it comes to healing, physical healing. And, and, and I believe... Um, I believe we've been kind of just since for, for maybe a while now, we've been just kind of in that area of, of what, what we talked about last week where, where the father brings the son to the little, his son uh, that's possessed by a demon to Jesus. And Jesus asks him if he believes. And he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I believe that's the season we've been in, that, that many of us in this room, we believe God can heal. We believe he wants to. We believe it's his will. But there's just something inside of us that has been disappointed and has become disillusioned. And because of that disappointment and disillusionment, we need help. We need healing in our unbelief. And I, I truly believe, I don't know about you, but I know it, it was for me, that, that last week the Lord began healing that unbelief, that he's begun healing our faith, that I, I begin once again believing for the impossible things to happen again. I've been believing God for, for miracles to happen again, for, for cancer to be gone again, for all of these things to happen once again. And it's just been stirring in me. This faith has been stirring in me once again to believe for the impossible, for the miraculous to begin happening. And so I, I know it's been happening for me. I believe it, it, that something shifted last week in our congregation with that. That, that we are going to begin believing once again for the miracles of God, for the supernatural things to begin happening again in our congregation. And so as I was preparing this week, I've, I was just thinking about last week and, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to continue this morning talking about faith. So I believe last week he began healing our faith and, and so this week I want to continue on with that idea and, and, and just talk to you a little bit about faith this morning. Amen? So faith. What, what does faith mean? So that's, that's pretty much what this message is about this morning, is we are going to give definition to faith this morning. So what does faith mean? The Greek word for faith is the word, it's going to sound like I'm cussing, but I promise you I'm not, okay? So I'm warning you ahead of time. It's the word pistis. Gosh, you're all so mature. No, I'm just kidding. It's the word pistis. It means faith. And what it means is this. It means it's what can be believed, a state of certainty with regard to belief, trust, belief to complete trust, trustworthiness, or the state of complete dependability. So that's a long, long list there. So I broke it down to this. Faith is certainty, trust, and dependability. Faith is certainty, trust, and dependability. Certainty means we are unwavering in our belief of who he is, that no person, no circumstance, no idea or philosophy can persuade us that he is anything other than what he says he is. We are certain that he has the power to complete his promises. Trust. We trust that he is good. Trust that his intentions are always good and are always for our benefit. His dependability, that there is no plan B. He is plan A. Because he is completely dependable. He is dependable to accomplish the promise that he has given us. In other words, he is faithful. So he he is certain, he is trustworthy, and he is dependable. Amen? Faith. Faith is not blind. How many of you have heard that expression before? Blind faith. Faith is not blind. Faith sees who he is. And because of that, gives us confidence for the promise. Faith is not blind, faith sees. And specifically, faith sees who he is. Amen? It's not just a shot in the dark, and it's not just high hopes, hot apple pie in the sky, high hopes, right? It's it's dependable. Faith is not a gamble. Faith takes into account the certainty, trustworthiness, and dependability of God. Faith is not a risk. Faith is not a risk. Okay, so it's not a gamble, it's not a risk. Yet this is oftentimes how we treat faith. Like we're just going to throw this idea out there and just hope it sticks. And we call that faith, like we're just gonna throw up a prayer and hope that something happens and we call it faith, that's not faith. Faith is not a gamble, it's not just, just, a, just a, again, it's not a shot in the dark, faith is trustworthy and it's dependable and it's certain, amen? Faith is certain, it's not a risk. Sometimes we treat faith like if we just believe hard enough, something will happen. It's almost like we believe faith is the power of persuasion right? So faith is the power of persuasion, almost like if I, if I say a hundred times that there's a million dollars in my pocket, then there's going to be a million dollars in my pocket. Or we, we pray loud enough, you know, we give everything to God and pray loud enough that all of a sudden it's going to happen because that's faith, is praying loud or, or dumping a whole bottle of anointing oil on it, and that's faith. And, 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 and we, we think that, that, that faith is almost the power of persuasion that maybe if I say it loud enough and say it long enough that it'll happen. That's not faith. Faith is certain, it's, it's trustworthy, and it's dependable. It, it reminds me of a couple different stories. I didn't know which one to tell, so I might tell both of them. But it reminds me of, of a story when, when, uh, when we were down there at the ramp and uh, we we were, uh, there's during ministry time and what they used to do, these things called fire tunnels at the ramp. And what a fire tunnel was, was one, amazing. I encourage you all to experience a fire tunnel or youth have experienced a fire tunnel a couple times. But what a fire tunnel was, was the, the ministry team would line up on either side and they would just, uh, the, as people, uh, the, the congregation would come up and just walk through the middle of the, the prayer line and they would just lay their hands on them and would pray for them as they were walking through. And it was some, some incredibly, incredibly powerful times. And so we're, there was, that's what was going on uh, as we were doing a fire tunnel at the ramp. And one of my jobs during the fire tunnel when we were there is I was security, which was the funnest job in the world during a fire tunnel. Because okay? people would get their hands laid on them and they, they'd begin, you know, Doing crazy things. And so we did as security guards, we'd come up. If they would fall out in the spirit, then we'd go and pick them up. And it was like, it was crazy. We'd like throw them over our shoulder and carry them down and throw them on the ground. And it was, it was the best. Seriously, it was the best. Well, we were in the middle of that, and I was doing the security stuff. I was slamming bodies on the ground. It was great. And uh, all of a sudden, there's a young teenage boy, I would guess maybe 15, 16 years old. Um, that began walking through the fire tunnel. And in the middle of it, which this wasn't abnormal, in the middle of it, he just began, just began yelling. He began kind of throwing his fist around, kicking, screaming, all that stuff. So we, we get up there, we, and we carry him off the platform. And he's laying on the ground. And one of the leaders of the church at that time, um, was, was, his name was Damon. I've, I've referenced Damon Thompson a lot. Um, he came down to me and he says i want you to pray for this this young man i want you to discern what's going on with him and i was like oh okay so so he he tells me that so i get down and i'm i'm the the kid's just laying there and i'm i'm a uh, i am i am got my hand on his back and i'm just praying and and in my head i'm thinking this kid is is possessed there's there's some demonic activity happening here that's what's going on in my head but i'm like ah maybe not you know i don't i don't know if that's what's happening so I'm thinking that, and then I, I I look at the kid and I see his mouth's moving. I'm like, oh, he's praying, you know, he's praying. So yeah, I'm I'm off. I don't. I, that's not what's going on. So I lean down to hear this kid see, to hear what he's praying, and he's going, rush, rush, rush. you know, deep, groggly, scary voice, and I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not so far off. You know, you know, this kid this kid is dealing with a demon, and so I begin praying for this kid. And I, and, and I do what every overzealous guy who wants to cast out a demon does. I begin taking authority in the name of Jesus, and I begin screaming and yelling. All of a sudden, this kid begins manifesting this, this demon, and he begins getting up, and he's punching at me. He's kicking at me. He's screaming. He's doing all kinds of crazy things, and so I begin, you know, just screaming and yelling and casting out the demon and just going crazy. You know, it's like, you know, fight club, you know, casting out a demon, you know, of this kid, and eventually he, he kind of calms down, and it's just just like, okay, that was weird, he, he calms down, he kinda looks at me, and it was like he looked at me for the first time. He looks up at me, and he just kinda looks confused, and then he just turns around and walks back to with his group, and I was like, well, that was weird, you know, like, did we get deliverance, or was it, you know, what happened? And, and so I, I just kinda left it, left it be. A few minutes, a, few, a little while later, I'm just, I'm praying about it, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, no, I just don't feel like, I don't feel like we got deliverance, I don't feel like that's what it was. And so, uh, so I find the kid and he's standing there with his youth pastors and his youth pastors at that point in time told me, they're like, yeah, this, this kid is, has struggled with demon possession. They kind of gave me his background, his story of uh, just different ways that that, of reasons why, where that came from and told me some different stories about, I mean, you know, you've heard that when somebody is, has, has been possessed by demons, a lot of times they have like almost supernatural strength. For their age. And so they were talking about how this kid picked up an entire pool table at one point in time to throw it across the room. I mean, just crazy stuff. And so I'm like, okay, well, let's let's begin praying again. Let's let's begin let's begin praying. And so I, you know, I start rearing up again and start, you know, battling this thing. And and he's and, and I'll never forget. I, he have, he's looking at me stone cold in the face, like, what are you doing? And I'm like praying for this thing. Then all of a sudden he goes, Gah! and Karate kicks me right in the chest <laughs> and then begins flailing around again. And, and we, okay, and I'm, this is a long story for a really quick point, but it's worth it. So then he kicks me, he begins wailing around again. At this point in time, the other security guard, which puts me to shame, this is, his name was JP, um, and he's, he was a big guy. I mean, he's, he's probably at least my height, maybe a little taller, but about like three or four times bigger, you know? So he's this big guy. And he, he, uh, he grabs the kid, the kid uh, ends up on the ground, and JP's just trying to control this kid. Again, this guy, tall, three times bigger than me, the kid uh, push, does a push-up with JP on his back and starts crying. I mean, it's just crazy watching this, okay? So I get down, we're, we're praying, we're praying, nothing's happening, we're, we're not getting any breakthrough. Then, like a hero coming to save the day, Damon comes off the stage, he gets down in the boy's ear and whispers into his ear. You know, I'm screaming, I'm yelling, I'm spitting. He gets down, he whispers in his ear. Literally spent maybe a, less than a minute with the kid and saw deliverance. The kid was delivered instantly or was delivered at that moment, got up, gave us all a big hug and all that stuff and, and was never the same since. Got down and whispered in his ear. See, faith doesn't have to be loud. Faith doesn't have to be uh, uh, you pour all your anointing oil on it. Faith doesn't have to be all of those things. Faith is certain of who he is. Damon didn't have to scream in the kid's ear for the demon to leave. He just had to, he just had to know who he was and be confident of who he was. That's what faith looks like. Faith is certain that he is able and willing to accomplish everything that he has promised. Amen? That's what faith looks like. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and jump into some scripture here. Hebrews 11.1, 1, you all knew I was going there. Hebrews 11.1, 1, this is out of the Passion Translation. It says, now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. I love that last line. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. It's the evidence to prove what is still unseen. So what does that look like? What does that actually mean? I got another quick story for you. This one's a little quicker and I debated on whether or not to tell you because I could get in trouble for telling you this story. Not from my wife but from my sister-in-law. So, so just go for it. <laughs> so, so, what does this look like? What does, it, what does it mean? It is faith is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So, several months back, Amber and Dee, and I don't even remember what they did. They went down to Indy or something to go do something. And I was at home with the kids. And the whole time that we're gone, Amber's telling Danielle, I bet when we get home, the entire house is gonna be clean. Josh is gonna clean the entire house. And D's like, yeah, right. Like what husband willingly, without being told, cleans the house, right guys? Or wives, I should say, right, wives? What husband willingly cleans the entire house? And I remember they got home, they walked in the door and I didn't know if they've had this conversation. I walk in the door and D walks in, looks around goes, well, good job, Josh. You're a great husband, you know, <laughs> like, like, like I could sense the sarcasm in her voice because I had, I had cleaned the entire house and all of that stuff. And, and so the, the point of the story is this, is that Amber knows who I am. She didn't ask me to clean the house. I just did it because she knows who I am. And it's, it's let, me, let me just say something clear. It's not because I'm a, I'm a really good husband. It's because I just can't sit still. So she knew if she left me at home all day, like I would have to do something to keep myself busy. So might as well clean the house, right? So so she knew who I was. And therefore, even though she didn't see or know that the house would be clean when she got home, she knew that it would be because she knew me. So faith, Faith, it's all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. That even though you do not see the promise yet, you have seen him, and because you have seen him, you know he is faithful to complete the promise. That even though you don't see it with your natural eyes, you've seen a God who is trustworthy and who is dependable, and because you've seen him, you have faith to believe that what is still unseen is yet to come, that it is still going to happen, amen? Faith is dependable. It's not a shot in the dark. It's seeing who he is. And because you know who he is, you know that the promise will be fulfilled. Faith says that even though I haven't seen the promise, I know it will happen because it came from his mouth. That even if you haven't seen the promise fulfilled, you know it'll happen because it came from his mouth. So what does that look like? It looks like this. You are a son of God, even when you don't feel like it, even when it doesn't look like it, and even when you don't lack like it. Not because of, of, of what you see in yourself, but because it's who he says you are. And if he says that's who you are, then you better believe that's who you are. If he says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and it doesn't look like it in your life yet, you better believe that's who you are because it's it's who he says you are. That even if it's unseen yet, it's what happened. If you haven't, here it is. Here's the hard one. If you haven't been healed yet in your body, you believe it because he said thousands of years ago in Isaiah 53 that by his stripes you are healed. You were healed. And because of the cross, we have the promise of healing. So even if it's not seen yet, we can trust and depend on him to accomplish everything he's promised us. Faith is not a shot in the dark. It's not a gamble. It's seeing who he is and knowing because of who he is and his character that it will come to pass, even though it's unseen yet. Hebrews eleven eight. I'll tell you, I could preach Hebrews 11 from start to start to finish and spend about 3 days preaching it because there's so much packed into it but I'm not going to do that to you. I'm only going to take about 3 hours instead of 3 days. So Hebrews 11:8 it says it says let me let me look at it in here real quick read it from here. Hebrews 11:8 says faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call and leave the familiar to discover the territory he was destined to inherit from God. So he left with only a promise and without even knowing ahead of time where he was going. Abraham stepped out in faith. He lived by faith as an immigrant. Listen to this. He lived as an immigrant in his promised land as though it belonged to someone else. That's what faith looks like. That's what faith looks like. Some of, some, with Moses here, he didn't own the land yet, but in faith, he lived in the land as an immigrant and looked around and said, this is mine. It's not mine yet, but I believe in faith because it was his promise that this is going to be mine. And that's what some of us need to do. Some of us need to, to put a tent up in our land that is not yet ours and declare this is mine because he said it was mine. Amen? That faith that faith is putting your tent in a land that's not yours yet, but that has been promised to you, and, and, and believing in faith that, it was your, that it's yours, amen? He journeyed through the land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were persuaded that they were also co-heirs of the same promise. His eyes of faith were set on a city with unshakable foundations, whose architect and builder is God himself. Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise and she tapped into his faithfulness. Everybody knows the story of of Abraham and Sarah that Abraham was promised by God children as numerous as the sands on the sea. And he was like 70 years old when this promise happened. Him and Sarah were like 70 years old. And Sarah was barren. She was unable to have kids. And God has the audacity to promise them kids as numerous as the sands of the seashore. And I love what it says there about Sarah. What it says there about Sarah says the authority of her faith. The authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise. Her, the authority of her faith, the, the strength of her faith rested in the one who made the promise. Again, She didn't look at the circumstance. She didn't look at what she didn't see. She looked into the eyes of the one who was trustworthy and knew because he is trustworthy that I can believe the promise. Her authority and her faith rested in the one who made the promise and she tapped in to his faithfulness. She tapped into his faithfulness. 25 years passed from the promise to Isaac. 25. Five years Abraham was I think a hundred years old before Isaac was born Sarah was Sarah was seventy around seventy years old and barren and she looked past the reality and rested in his faithfulness. The reality was she's seventy years old she's well past the ability to bear children, yet and also even when she was younger and able to bear kids, she was unable to. She looked past all of that and rested in his faithfulness and the authority of the one who made the promise. Can you imagine getting that promise and it already being, uh, already being almost unattainable, but then waiting 25 years to see the promise happen. Can you imagine what that 25 years would have been like? Waiting for a promise that already looked impossible. And then every day waking up and it's it's not happened yet, it's not happened yet, it's not happened yet, but still saying, but I know who made the promise and he is faithful. So my, my, my faith doesn't rest in what I see, my faith rests in his eyes. My faith rests in the one who made the promise. Amen? My faith rests in the one who made the promise. And, um, eventually, as many of you know the story, Isaac was born, right? Isaac was born, but then look what happens in Hebrews 11, chapter, seven, or chapter 11, verse 17. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 says, "'Faith operated powerfully in Abraham, "'for when he was put to the test, "'he offered up Isaac. "'Even though he received God's promise of descendants,' He was willing to offer up his only son. Verse 18. For God had promised through your son Isaac, your lineage will carry on your name. Verse 19. Abraham's faith made it logical to him that God could raise Isaac from the dead. And symbolically, that's exactly what happened. So get this. 25 years pass. An impossible miracle takes place. Sarah gives birth to Isaac, their only kid, and then, out of obedience, or Abraham walks Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice him, to kill him. So again, the reality says that if you kill this son, then you're wiping out the promise of God. But I love what it says there in verse 19. It says, Abraham's faith made it logical to him that God could raise Isaac from the dead. That even even if the reality in front of me says it's absolutely impossible that I believe so much in the dependability and trustworthiness and faithfulness of God that I believe that even though the reality is opposite of what he promised, I still believe God will make a way for the promise to come to pass. That faith, that Abraham's faith made it logical for him that even if he killed the son of the promise, that God could still make the promise come to pass. That's what faith looks like. Amen? That's what faith looks like. By the world's standards, Abraham was delusional to hold on to a promise that was obviously not kept. And here's my question. What about you? What promises are you holding on to that would cause the world to call you delusional? Delusional. What promises are you holding on to that would cause the world to think that you are absolutely crazy for believing that that could even be possible? Let me tell you a few of mine. I believe that the city of Elwood will be wholly given over to the Lord, that it will become a beacon of hope to the cities and the states and the nations around us. Do you know how crazy that sounds? I mean, I don't want to offend anybody that lives in Elwood, right? But Elwood's got a bad reputation. We were even talking this week, we were over at the disciples house and talking about some, some, some friends that you knew that were like, Elwood... You're going to live in Elwood, <laughs> you know, like, like it's got a bad rap. People, when people hear the word Elwood, they think of racism, they think of poverty, they think of all of these sorts of things. It's got a bad rap. So for me to stand up and say, I believe it's going to be a city that is prosperous and that is wholly given out to the Lord, that is absolutely crazy to think about and to say when you look at the condition Elwood's in right now. But here, here's the thing. If God can take a disobedient man like Jonah, who didn't even want to fulfill the promise, and go to a city like Nineveh and completely flip it around and revolutionize it and cause revival to come into the city, what can God do with a group of people who have faith to believe that God can change an entire city? It's hard to see it, but my faith isn't in what I see in front of me. My faith is in the one who made the promise, and if he says it can happen, then I believe with everything inside of me that it can happen. What's maybe some other things I'm believing for? I believe that the Lord's going to give, wholly give the city of Elwood over To the Lord, amen? It's gonna be totally given over to the Lord. What else do I believe for? I still believe that this place is going to be a cancer free zone. It's an incredibly difficult word to believe because as soon as that word released, what happened? We immediately got bombarded with cancer but I believe that the word that he said is true and it's a promise to us that that one day this place will be a place that is cancer-free, that after what the Lord did in us last week, listen, after what the Lord did in us last week, I have a whole new fresh faith to believe that God can eradicate cancer from our congregation. I believe wholeheartedly that he can do it. And I even take a step beyond that. I believe that people are gonna come into this building because they've heard that God is healing things like cancer in this building. And that because of that, they're gonna have an encounter with Jesus and healing's gonna come into their bodies and it's gonna revolutionize people's lives. I still believe it with everything inside of me. And it, and, it, and it sounds absolutely crazy, and to the world, I, I would, it would make me look delusional. But because he said it, I believe it, amen? I'll take a step even beyond that. I believe that, that God is coming back for a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. I believe he established his church on the rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe his kingdom is advancing on the earth Not in standstill till he returns. Mm. I believe the world gets brighter as his sons and daughters go into the darkness. This sounds absolutely crazy right now because the world looks like it's getting darker. And the churches and and men and women of God are freaking out because, because the devil is getting a foothold on our nation. But I want to tell you that I still believe that he's coming back for a spotless bride, not a broken bride. He's coming back for a spotless bride, not a broken bride. That he, that I still believe that as the sons and daughters rise up and begin to shine their lights, that darkness is dispelled. And I believe that the world is not getting darker, that the world is actually advancing, that the kingdom of God, when Jesus died on the cross, he set in motion this kingdom realm. He set in motion the kingdom of God. And it is our responsibilities as sons and daughters to advance the kingdom, not hold the line until he returns. I believe one day when he returns, it will fully be established. But until then, my job is to advance the kingdom, not retreat because the world is getting darker. And it may look crazy, but I believe that the Lord is, that, that revival is coming to our earth and revival is coming to our nation and that the world is not gonna get darker, but the world is gonna get better. Amen? So these things sound absolutely crazy. They sound absolutely delusional, but because he promised it, I believe with everything inside of me that he is trustworthy and dependable and that though I cannot see it with my physical eyes, I believe it with everything inside of me because I can see him. Because I see him. Amen. Hebrews eleven thirteen. 13. Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 says, these heroes all died still clinging to their faith not even receiving all that had been promised them, but they saw beyond the horizon the fulfillment of their promise and gladly embraced it from afar. They all lived their lives on earth as those who belonged to another realm. Let's just pause there for a moment. Go back to 13. These heroes all died still clinging to their faith, not even receiving all that had been promised them. This is an important, I think, part of faith: is seeing seeing that are these heroes of the faith. Let, let me let me see. Let me tell you what this scripture is talking about. Abraham was promised descendants as numerous as the seashores. He had two kids, two, and one of them was out of disobedience and wasn't even considered part of the promise. Isaac, one kid, was considered the promise um, to Abraham of the descendants as, as numerous as the seashores. Now listen, he was promised descendants as numerous as the seashores, and he has one kid. Does that sound like the fulfillment of the promise? That Abraham died not seeing kids as numerous as the seashores. He died seeing one kid. And that one seed of the promise was enough for him to say, see, I told you God was faithful. That these heroes all died still clinging to their faith. How how do they live their entire lives not seeing the promise, but still believing 110% that God is faithful? The answer is at the bottom of uh, the last sentence in this verse. It says, they all lived their lives on earth as those who belonged to another realm. How do they believe with everything that they have that God is going to keep his promise, yet not see it, yet still hold on to their faith. It's because they belonged to a different realm. They were seeing things not from an earthly perspective, but from an eternal perspective. They saw the promise not from an earthly perspective, but from an eternal perspective. That what they saw was that though I didn't see it in my lifetime, I so believe he is faithful that my kids or my kids or my great, great grandkids will see the promise happen. You realize we serve a God that is outside space or time, right? He's outside space or time. He is the ancient of days. He is the beginning from the end that he sees from the beginning and from the, from the beginning and the end. And because of that, timelines don't exist in his world, and so the way they were able to cling to their faith and cling to the promise was because they knew he was faithful and they saw not from their lifetime, but from an eternal perspective. Let me, let me read to you what I wrote here because it's really good. <laughs> In this heavenly realm, there is no measure of time. Therefore, there is no lack of time. These people that died with the promise in hand were not looking from an earthly perspective where they could only view things from their lifetime. They were looking from an eternal perspective and could see their kids' kids holding the promise. Living on earth as it is in heaven cancels all timelines and places faith in the ancient of days who sees the end from the beginning. That faith Faith, it goes beyond, beyond seeing. Faith goes into the heavenly realm where you can see from an eternal perspective. Isaac was the seed of Abraham and Sarah's promise and he saw just that seed of promise and said, see, God is faithful. So to wrap all of this up, faith, what is faith? What's the definition of faith? Faith is not, again, offering up just random prayers and hoping they stick. Faith is not the power of persuasion. It's not a gamble, and you're not taking a risk when you have faith. Faith is confidence in the faithfulness of God to accomplish what he said he would accomplish. Faith is not looking at your circumstances, not looking at what you don't see. It's looking in his eyes and seeing the faithful one, amen? I think all of this, this is all just a part of this wonder thing that we're talking about. We've been talking about that all of this is part of this wonder thing. That we would become so awestruck with him that we would never doubt his faithfulness again. That part of wonder, that part of us moving into this idea of wonder is that we would so see him and become awestruck with him that we would never doubt his faithfulness again. In Matthew 17, this, you don't have to go there, Chad, if you don't want to, but Matthew chapter 17, it's the end of the story from last week, Um, after the disciples were unable to cast the demon out of the boy, and Jesus comes and he casts the demon out, the disciples later come up to him, Go, go ahead and put that up there, Chad, the disciples come up later to him, and they ask him, Jesus, why were we unable to cast out the demon? And Jesus told them it was because of your lack of faith. I promise you that if you have faith inside of you no bigger than the size of a small mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move away from here and it will go over there and you will see it move. There is nothing you couldn't do. That when our faith is strong in him, there is absolutely nothing impossible for us. How do we get to that faith? How do we get to that kind of faith? Jesus tells us in verse 21. But this kind of demon is cast out only through prayer and fasting. How do we get to a faith that can cast out demons? How do we get to a faith that can believe a city like Elwood can be completely transformed? How do we get to a faith to believe that cancer can be eradicated from our congregation? We pray and we fast and we seek the face of the one who is dependable, the one who is certain and the one who is trustworthy. That when we see him, all of these other things don't seem like a big deal because we know that he is faithful to complete his promise. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that you are absolutely faithful. God, that you keep your promises. God, that we that you are completely trustworthy. And so, Father, we just right now set our eyes upon you, Jesus. God, I believe that our faith is built by seeking your face. That our faith is built by encountering your presence. By encountering the character of God. God, that even... Even as we talked about earlier in the service, when Peter identified who you are, that you turned around and identified him. I believe it's the same way that, for that faith works, that when we look into your eyes and we identify who you are, that our faith becomes easy. It becomes easy to believe for impossible things. God, I thank you that you've begun a work inside of this congregation to restore our faith to restore our our belief that you can do absolutely anything, that our childlike faith is being rebirthed into us. Father, I just pray that that as we begin, as you begin to restore our faith, Lord, that we would have encounter after encounter after encounter with you, Jesus, and that our faith would become uh, that would, our faith would be able to move mountains because we see who you are. We see the mountain mover. We see the one who made the promise and therefore we know that it is possible for it to be, for it to be accomplished. God, I pray you would complete your work of faith inside of us. God, I pray that as our congregation uh, is, is by themselves, alone in their prayer rooms, alone in their quiet times, alone with you, Jesus, that they would encounter you in ways that they have never imagined before, Jesus. God, that they would begin to have visions, they'd begin to have dreams, they'd begin to have physical encounters that, that, that they'd begin to even have encounters with the angelic realm. God, that, that we would begin operating from this other realm that it says that Abraham operated out of and these other heroes of faith. God, that we would begin to have encounter, encounters with you, Lord, that would absolutely blow our minds, Jesus. And that out of that, our faith would become real and authentic and, and, and be able to move mountains, Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name.